Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. Thank you, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Forward 40. I'm very, very excited. I know I say that often, uh, but I'm really, really excited about the guest that we have with us today. Um, It's a true honor to have her voice and her experience and her journey uh, lended and offered up to this platform. Uh, With us today is Lisa Posh. She is the Director of Membership Engagement and Advocacy for American Indian Science and Engineering Society, and in short, it's ACES. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really, really honored to have you. Um, So Lisa and I uh, connected through uh, another colleague, and she has a very unique experience um, based on the voices that we have had on the platform thus far. Um, Lisa is of Native ancestry, and it, I thought that it was very important that with this platform, highlighting the voices of women of color in the nonprofit and the social enterprise space, that it is as representative as possible. So I guess with that, Lisa... Can you just share with us more about like who you are, your identity, and um, how that informs the work that you do? Sure, absolutely. Um, let me first by saying Maru Eka Sakabeni Nananietza Lisa Paz Nanamana, and that's um, hello, good day. My name's Lisa Paz. I'm Comanche. I am also a citizen of the Pawnee Nation. Um, I am also Mexican American. Um, so I've got a, <laughs> a lot of culture happening here. Um, so, so I just wanted to introduce myself in my language because um, it's one thing that I'm learning and it's a big part um, of my identity now. And so I want to make sure to share that we're hearing more and more native languages come back. And um, so I want to just honor that a bit. Um, <laughs> so that's a big part of um, already just trying to, to bring into my culture into these um, more public spaces. Um, sharing that, being very proud, mm-hmm. um, it's it's uh, becoming a bigger deal to me. And as I'm um, working more in the nonprofit space and with um, Indigenous people, I'm seeing the importance of of that type of um, acknowledgement and things like that. So I just wanted to <laughs> no, and I, that. I, I thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. I'm so I'm so excited to actually be able to be learning it. So I know a lot of. Um, a lot of us are not able to either because there's, you know, so few speakers or access to learning. Um, so it's, it's kind of uh, pretty important to me now and to others as well. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, so, yeah, I just um, the, the journey that I've been on around um, being um, indigenous, being a Native American and Mexican-American and being able to work in the nonprofit spaces is really um, special to 
to me. Um, so much work that's done in the nonprofit sector is very important to a lot of our communities. And so it's um, particularly my organization, it's, it's um, very exciting to be able to be working directly with um, the communities that I'm also a part of. Um, not everybody gets to work for Correct. their communities. And so um, that's, that's been very special to me and, as, and is a big part as, as to why I do it in the first place. Yeah, and then it's like we, you're also um, situated within the sector in a space of STEM um, where um, in terms of like the discourse that I have been a part of, um, when people tend to think of underrepresented or underserved groups in STEM, um, indigenous peoples and um, native people don't always come first to mind. So what brought you into working in the field of STEM on behalf of other community members? Mm -hmm. Sure. So when I first, it was luck, to be honest, <laughs> that I um, found this organization and was hired within it. So that the first piece was, was really luck for, on my, for me. Um, but that what, what kept me in it and what um, drives me in it is the fact that we are, um, yes, so, so underrepresented. Um, and it's, this STEM is so important to our communities. It's, um, it's more than just making sure, you know, students get into college and get degrees and get jobs. It really um, comes back around to being a, a full circle piece because once these um, students have received the education, they're working, they can bring that back into their community, not to only encourage other young people to, to follow these paths and get these jobs, but literally to, they can potentially bring their knowledge back to their community and work in their community so that their community is using resources from itself mm -hmm. versus um, having to have outsiders come in and help them, you know, whether it is like um, kind of civil engineering projects or um, economic growth, projects, other, other things. It's, we can now start counting on our own community members to be those um, professionals and be those um, experts, and we don't have to rely on um, on outside correct, people coming in. So it's it's so much more than just you know um, getting getting kids through school and and getting you know jobs for people. It's bringing jobs back to the community. It's bringing the expertise and then the traditional knowledge already from the community back into the community and making sure they're um, they're able to to work and trust who they're working with mm. um, that type of situation. Mm -hmm. So um, once I learned how impactful and how important um, STEM is within um, the indigenous community, I, I mean, that's what kept keeps me here. That's what drives me. It's um, there's just so much, so much that needs to still be done. Uh, and you know, that that's key that you, you pointed out like the, the trust factor and being able to um, like really go into a, a, a space, like learn the skills and then bring those assets and those gifts right back to the community uh, for the community. And um, some may think that that's exclusionary. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I actually um, admire <laughs> that that is, you know, core to the to the mission. And um, and I respect it. And I, I definitely believe that there should be more of that. Um, there there needs to be like that that space 
where a community, whatever community it may be, is able to still have its own unique culture, hold on to that and be able to pass down stories, also skills and experience, and it not be a a situation where people are feeling threatened um, or feeling like they have to encroach. um. So thank thank you for for sharing that. Um, Now, there is, I believe you mentioned, and correct me if I'm wrong, like in terms of the, the number, I believe you mentioned that there was 572? 573. 573. I had it wrong. Okay. I I looked it up again to make sure. (laughs) My goodness. 573 recognized tribes. Wow. Federally. Yeah. So that's federally recognized tribes. That doesn't include um, tribes that are only state recognized Mm. or are working to be federally recognized. Interesting. So what's the, what's the difference between the two? You, you said that there's um, state recognition and then also federal. Mm-hmm. I guess for our listeners right. that are just like, this is new news because it's new news to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to just kind of tread lightly here because I don't know the, like, a, a, I don't have a lot of technical answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so federally recognized um, are the, the tribes that have like specific like um, treaties and through the federal government and have had to go through a series of um, kind of proving that, that they have been here, that they are a separate um, tribe from any others, a separate nation from any of the other current ones. Um, There are some in different States who maybe haven't met, met that threshold for federal recognition, but are allowed in their state to get certain services or whatnot um, through their state, but maybe not federally yet, but federally recognized tribes then have access to some of that, um, some different programs and, and monies to uh, be able to use as a federally recognized tribe. And there's still, I don't know how many exactly are working towards that as well, but there are um, always tribes that are working to prove and, and meet that threshold to make sure that their community members then are also um, mm-hmm. being taken care of as well. Wow. Thank you for, for offering that. And I'll definitely, you know, uh, give a charge to myself to, to do more learning in that. And then also for our listeners um, to be more competent. Um, so thank you, Lisa. Um, so you're not only a wife, you're also a mother. Uh, you have two sons. Uh, mm-hmm. And you briefly shared kind of like this expectation that you have this knowledge retention of um, tribes, um, you know, like where they are, the, you know, kind of like the history, the culture, um, and that's kind of expected within the community. Can you speak more to how you've been, how you've managed that, like working in the space, like really on behalf of and alongside uh, other indigenous people um, as a part of the community, but also as an advocate for other nations? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's tricky. Um, <laughs> luckily, working in the space that I'm working in, it gives me more access to um, learn about all of the different tribes and nations, to to talk with people from them, um, to visit them, to do that um, type of uh, additional learning. But um, yeah, it's kind of as, and then, and then as a native, and I'm lucky because of that, um, because as native people, we have kind of this expectation 
not only from each other mm-hmm. to know a lot about each other, but definitely from the outside because we are often the only ones representing, you know, mm-hmm. like an entire, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all mm-hmm. these 573 nations. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, it is, it is very tricky. And I've found that I am lucky because I do work for a native nonprofit and we do work with native communities and we, um, work, we have a lot of, um, partner organizations that are also, um, native nonprofits. So we, we have, we, um, are allowed this space and it's part of our job to do, do this additional learning. But, um, to, to be outside of that and be an indigenous person is, is kind of difficult as well because you don't have necessarily as easy access to all mm-hmm. of these other communities. Mm-hmm. But you're still kind of expected to know at least a little bit, you know, like at least the location of when someone tells you about a tribe or, you know, a little bit about their history, which, again, there's 573 of the federally recognized mm-hmm. ones. It can be really difficult to try and manage that. And so, you know, then to, trying to pass that type of um, information along to my children, I mean, they're nine and 11 and they sometimes are like, uh, you know, can roll their eyes at me. of like, mom, stop, you know, <laughs> but it's, you know, we, we do, we find it so important because I, it's, it's, um, so important to be able to, to recognize each other and, and where we're each from and to know a little bit about each other because it's, it's important. Every, you know, each of us feel like, and it's our, our tribes are important. Our, our histories are important. And so it's kind of also a respect thing to each other is to try and learn, learn about, um, so that, that you just are, are expressing, expressing the respect to them as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's tricky. It's hard, but, um, you know, and I don't know that I'm great at managing it yet, but I'm definitely trying. And luckily the space I'm in allows me to do that additional learning that I need. You know, that, that's just, um, it, it resonated, um, a few things resonated with me, uh, with, with your response, like in terms of like being in a space where it's accessible, right? Um, <laughs> and you're, it's, it's a, it's a space where it is a part of the culture. Um, whereas in the broader nonprofit sector, um, maybe a challenge. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, it is a challenge <laughs> for, mm-hmm. yeah. for a lot um, of people of color, but then also women of color. Um, if you're just one of very few or the only um, representing. Uh, and then in addition to that, it's, it's, you know, this being the representative, but also mm-hmm. feeling like it is your social responsibility. That is... Um, it's taxing. Um, I actually had a colleague <laughs> send me an image of like an invoice of the emotional tax of, <laughs> you know, of like, okay, I had to correct you on this thing that you said that was inappropriate. I had to teach you about this part of my culture and my history. And it's like, I'm, I'm, if I'm doing the work, <laughs> now I have to do the work for you too. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, but you know, it's great that you are in a space where it's already fueling, um, that learning, um, and, and that journey as opposed to, I would say a good portion, um, of others who are in the sector and it's predominantly white spaces, um, or, um, it's like one of very few voices that are um, that are present and are trying. You know, there's an attempt to like lump 
all uh, mm-hmm. to, together. Um, so yeah, um, thank thank you for that because that, that's definitely important. Um, as I was reflecting on our time together, I recall that there were two incidences this year alone where uh, one was for a community service project that was actually here um, in New York. And it was uptown in uh, the Washington Heights area. And um, I had a colleague that is actually a a white woman. Uh, She had asked those that put together the, the service day, whose land is this? Before we start digging up the dirt, who's whose land I, I feel like it's it's only right that we pay homage to whose land this is. And I was very I, one, they didn't have the answer, right? <laughs> um, but I was so pleased that I didn't have to be the you know the one to pose that question. Um mm-hmm. And that she actually was courageous enough to to do that. And then more recently, um, I was facilitating a session on racial equity and um, how racial equity serves to advance our our work uh, at the organization. And one of my other colleagues, um, she's an Asian sister, she, before she started... um, her part of the the panel, she paid homage to the indigenous people of the land that we were in. And we were in Philadelphia. And I was like, whoa, this is just amazing. I respect it. And I wanted to know from you, um, like with that dedication of the land uh, to the work, um, why do you think that that's key for others to do in, you know, in the absence of having um, a Native and Indigenous voice that's there. And then what is our responsibility in being allies and being partners and um, being culturally responsive and sensitive in the work? Yeah, so um, that's, that's, that's exciting to hear. Um, I know land acknowledgments are um, happening more and more often, particularly on, um, you know, universities, things like that, Um, which is funny because when I first started hearing them, like, we do that at our events and a lot of the events Mm -hmm. that I attend through my organization. And so um, I didn't really think anything of it. And because we, we, that's what we do. We, we acknowledge the land um, where we're at, uh, honor the people who were there before us Mm -hmm. because this this came from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's um, so exciting to hear that that spread beyond the, like the native people Mm -hmm. saying, you know, we need to do this, that it's, it's spread further than that and that people are um, doing that. And it is important because um, we need to remember the history and acknowledge that this, you know, this land was all, all Indian country. It was all, it, it was taken away violently in most cases from Native people. And so whatever building you're in now or that, that was somebody else's mm-hmm. and that um, mm-hmm. to acknowledge the history and just have a, have a respect for um, that to, to know that you're, again, just acknowledging it, I guess, um, is, is, is thoughtful, it's respectful, it's um, just making sure that those voices 
even if they're not necessarily in the room with you at the time, that they're being thought about. And that's so important because as um, Indigenous people, we get, we just get left out so often. Like mm-hmm. we just are forgotten about. We're just, you know, completely removed in so many spaces um, that it's important to know that, th- that we are still here. We were here before. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that um, there, there, there still needs to be a respect for what happened to us in the past and that there is still um, that we are still around and should still be heard from basically. Mm-hmm. So on top of like, not only just doing the land acknowledgement, what we need to make sure that our allies are, are, are thinking about and, and moving on is also inviting people from the indigenous community to be part of whatever conversation is happening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be something that directly impacts the nearest tribe or anything like that, but know that we are part of regular, the, the, the whole population in general, and that, um, we should be included in all cases. So doing the land acknowledgement is a huge step, but now kind of what we need next is to not just do that and walk away and forget that there's still current voices that need to be heard, but inviting, inviting indigenous people to be part of any of these conversations that are happening, particularly if it is, you know, impacting, um, a local community. Um, so I think that's, that is um, pretty exciting for me to hear that it's happening in all of these other spaces too, not just the ones that, <laughs> that, that have done it intentionally for a long time, but, mm-hmm. um, but then just making sure, just taking it a little, a step further and making sure that um, not only knowing the land that you are on, but knowing that there's still probably some of those people around somewhere and that they correct. should be included in situation. Correct, yeah. correct, correct. And um, I, I also reflected on like, just elementary school right and middle school of like your point of we're still here <laughs> uh, we uh-huh. may not necessarily be in the room but we're still here and the way I don't I don't know what the textbooks are talking about now but <laughs> the way that the textbooks were set up <laughs> you know uh when mm-hmm. I was in school mm-hmm. it was in, in the same way that um you know, black history is just like, okay, we're just going to dedicate a month. Um, or, you know, like just your history is just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just chattel slavery and you were just brought over here and that boom, that's it. Um, when right. it comes to um, kind of like that people's history of this country, it is oftentimes like a thing that happened centuries ago and not right. yeah. pe- people mm-hmm. um, are still finding it, a challenge to really, you know, position it in present day. And I appreciate that mm-hmm. as we're, you know, like fairly recently, it was, you know, indigenous, indigenous people's day, uh, you know, mm-hmm. people calling it for mm-hmm. what it is <laughs> right. um, and, and, and not for what, <laughs> you know, the, the lie that they, mm-hmm. uh, that they indoctrinated us to, to believe. Um, I won't mm-hmm. even, I won't even give credence to the other name, but, you know, I, I appreciate that there is more intentionality, um, not, not even just like locally, but, but nationally and people are being more, more vocal for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. and then I guess like honing in on the women of color, um, so geographically, sometimes that you know, creates a barrier, uh, whether you're in an urban space, suburban space versus rural and, um, having access to, um, that authentic voice, not, and and I say authentic voice, 
um, because I know that there have been points in history where um, others have wanted to take part in an indigenous identity in an attempt mm-hmm. to feel included um, mm-hmm. or to feel as though they have culture. Um, mm-hmm. And as women of color, based on where you're situated within this country, that takes a form of its own. Um, that whatever the most prominent uh, demography is uh, will be the thing that comes foremost in, in, in your mind. And when I started this platform, I wanted to be very intentional that it was as representative as possible uh, and that the voices of Native women were also um, included. Uh, but I do know that it's often times that it's either overlooked or just not at, not at the table, like like you mentioned. Um, why do you think uh, the voice of, in your view, and I mean, of course it's important, but like from your perspective, uh, why is the voice of Native women key to the nonprofit sector discourse? And how can we bridge that divide across um, geography to make sure that in, in lieu of the physical absence um, or the not having the, the access that it is still a part of the, the narrative in our, our decision-making. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a couple different points there and I hope I remember them all <laughs> um, is um, so first geographically, like I also just want to remind your audience to that. Um, yes, geographically, definitely there's, um, more representation of indigenous voices in certain parts of the country and definitely very, you know, it's, it's much smaller on the East coast, but also keep in mind that it's about 75% of indigenous, of the, of the native population actually lives in cities and it lives in urban communities. And so, um, they're, they're, they're there, they're around They're <laughs> These women are, are living in these, in, in large cities all over the place. They may have had to move from where they're originally from or where their tribes are from, but they're there. And so being conscious to invite them, seek them out, look mm. for them there, um, is, is very important because they're, they're there. We're there. <laughs> um, and we, we want to be part of the conversation. And because, because knowing that, they're there. They do have this, um, we, we have, I keep saying they, <laughs> we have, um, this kind of, it's, it's additional knowledge. It's, it's a little bit extra. It's a bonus that we want to make sure is represented because, well, um, many of us grew up like myself, I grew up in, um, an urban area. Um, we also have these traditional values from our kind of our more rural communities or these other spaces that we can also bring. So we're not just representing, you know, um, just, a, a, you know, just women of color in general, we're, we're bringing to all, you know, some additional knowledge and, and um, thoughtfulness around a lot of different ideas. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it is important to have us involved because we can bring, um, unique perspectives. We can bring some of our history with us, our um, culture with us that, um, that most people never get to see or never get to hear of or think is gone. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, so it is really important to make sure that, that we are involved because we, we are, and while there are a few of us and yes, um, definitely can be hard to, um, 
to find or to, to know, you know, to have the expertise maybe you're looking for um, in specific areas, um, I can pretty much guarantee that there will be, um, you know, some Indigenous women around that are happy to also share thoughts and ideas um, when, when needed. Um, and I think I've already forgotten my, my additional point, <laughs> an additional point to your question, but I just do want to make sure that, that people are, are aware that we, um, we're here there may not be as many of us as um, definitely some others. I know often, so often, we we're, we are completely overlooked, right? We have, we're just an asterisk in a lot of data mm. um, because there's so, so few of us in areas are responding to, um, you know, particular surveys or questionnaires or whatever um, that we look like we're not there. But mm. we are, we promise. Mm-hmm. We're there and we do mm-hmm. have opinions and we do have thoughts that we want to share. And so... Um, just by keeping that in mind, there's a lot of, um, there's definitely a, a lot of networks that people can kind of tap into if they are looking for that voice to make sure that it is represented. And, um, yeah. And Did not, I, yeah. And, and not only represented, um, but appreciated and valued because as you were speaking, um, I was, I was thinking that I, want to be sure that, I mean, this kind of comes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> that it's, it's, you know, that it's not just about, well, let's just get one in the room or let's just have right. a few a part of the conversation yeah. and then, oh, all right, we've met our quota. Right. Uh, but right. Yeah. how, how, yeah. how is that conversation or that decision being, um, maximize to its potential across equity uh and also that the that the voice um and I'll say this for any any of the other uh groups is not you know being looked upon as or or, or fetishized right uh, right like, yeah <laughs> you yeah. know like oh well we have it and oh now I want to be you know like overly um <laughs> Uh, overly into right. your your culture, right? Like you have to tread very lightly, um, and yep. and make sure that you're competent and that you're working, that you're doing, you're actually doing the work. Like if if we have to show up in the work and we're doing the right. work, <laughs> you know, for the the parts of our identities that are salient, then you have to do the work as well. Um, right? Yes, absolutely. I I agree with that. And you don't, and you and don't I get think, a pass for not knowing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think, sorry, and I re- totally remember either point it kind of ties into about doing the work is that um, it's so much of the work that is being done is also geared towards communities that need, need something, right? The nonprofit sector, that's what we do. We're here to uplift and take care of and, and do these things that aren't being done for people. And that's so often needed by indigenous people. Mm. Like we're, underrepresented in these, you know, these big flashy, you know, like in STEM degrees and in business ventures and this type of stuff, but we're way over, overrepresented in health disparities and, you know, poverty levels and all of the, the bad things. And so the work that is being done so often is, is needed in these communities or, or um, is helpful to these communities and that type of stuff. So, so the, the work itself, it's important to have those voices around because that's also who needs it. And so to be represented um, in doing the work is so important in all, in any of these communities, we, we want to make sure that the people receiving, um, receiving the end of it, it 
are represented in, in what's being done. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That the impact um, mm-hmm. is represented of those that are a part of the impact. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Lisa, uh, it's that time <laughs> for, uh, your special tea affirmation, uh, as we close this, this segment. Um, so what would you have to, um, kind of leave for our, our listeners? Well, it's something that I've, I've heard it kind of in different iterations from a lot of different people. So it's, it's not my own unique thought, but it's something that anytime I hear, um, it, it kind of, it warms my heart a little bit and it, it, it gives me a little more drive. And so my affirmation would be your ancestors are proud of you. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that can resonate for just so many people and, to, to think about that, to think about what their ancestors have gone through or did or wanted for us and um, to know that, that they would be proud of us if they knew us today and saw what we were doing. And so that always kind of, like I said, just, just warms up my heart a little bit and makes me think, okay, I'm, I'm doing a good job. I can still do this. I, I almost like I was getting teary eyed. Like as soon as you said it, I, I was not even, re- I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that warmth, Lisa. Um, but that is so, so powerful. Um, you know, like as we are going about our days, um, it is, especially when more globally, right. Um, things tend to feel, uh, or the narrative is very individualistic. Um, when you are not a part of a community that is operating, um, as a collective, it's sometimes a challenge to, to recall that, you know, that you mm-hmm. are a part of something greater, far, you know, far greater mm-hmm. than yourself. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. It was a great reminder for me. Um, and I'm going to hold on to that. Um, so Lisa, it has been a pleasure, a, a true, true pleasure, um, of just having you, just learning from you. Um, and then also just being able to have the space to commune, um, across what others may, you know, just view as a a hindrance, um, because they would just see it as difference. Uh, we are geographically (laughs) like placed, (laughs) um, at the opposite ends. Um, and it's just, it's, it's been an honor to, to have you, have you here. Any closing well, thoughts? So oh, I just want to. I just want to thank you so much for not only giving me the the chance to speak and and but for all the work you've been doing because it's it's really inspirational and it's really needed. I feel like so. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and with that, thank you all for listening. And I'm going to encourage you all to do the work. Until we connect again, sip, sis. Say love, share, and continue to serve.